0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 51st edition of the PR Masters podcast series. I'm Arch Stevens, your host, and I'm also managing partner of the Stevens Group, which is a leading facilitator of mergers and acquisitions in the PR and digital interactive space. As you well know by now, the PR Masters podcast honors living legends in our profession, individuals who have made a mark in the world of public relations, and our guest today is no exception. He is Matthew Evans, and he is the chairman and co-founder of Evans Communications, which is an award-winning brand marketing communications and public relations firm specializing in the premium, prestige, and luxury sectors. The agency encompasses four practice areas, brand essence and content curation, digital and social insights and implementation, food, spirits, and wine, lifestyle, and travel and hospitality. Evans Communications has an established reputation for providing consummate business strategic counsel, as well as for transforming brand potential into business performance. So prior to founding Evans Communications, Matthew, previously served as CEO of Pain Therapeutics Corporation, a healthcare services and technology innovator and formerly as vice president of Vector Petroleum Corporation, an oil and gas exploration business. And while he was an undergraduate at the University of Pennsylvania, Matthew created and co-published the Talisman Report, which became the world's leading investment advisory newsletter. How about that while in college? And so while attending Penn and for more than six years previously, Matthew served on the staff of Cornell Medical Center, initially as a surgical research associate in the Cardiovascular Surgical Research Laboratory and subsequently as associate director of the Kidney Transplant Laboratory. My God, Matthew, you are a child wonder. He's also one of the most respected authorities and thought leaders in the business of luxury and luxury hospitality, and he's lectured at the Cornell Hotel School and NYU's Graduate School of Business, and has authored numerous articles on luxury and luxury hospitality. Matthew currently serves on several philanthropic, professional, and industry boards, including the Global Virus Network, of which he is a co-founding board member and secretary treasurer, as well as the International Hotel Investment Forum and the International Luxury Hotel Association matthew you you indeed were a child prodigy, and I'm really glad you're with us today because you've got a lot to share with us So welcome to p r Masters podcast series, Matthew Evans. How are you today, Matthew?
1: Good morning, Art. I am absolutely wonderful, and I thank you for this um very special and meaningful opportunity to have a conversation with you.
0: It's my pleasure, Matthew as for our listeners, Matthew and I are old friends, and I have always thought very highly of his agency and have waited for the opportunity to get him on the PR Masters podcast series. So, Matthew, tell us about your agency, would you mind, and tell us why it's different from other agencies.
1: Well, thank you, Wart. You know, uh, when I first came into this industry about 35 years ago, I really didn't understand the art and the science of public relations and learned very quickly that public relations – had the potential to be one of the most powerful business tools um, to really make a meaningful and consequential contribution to businesses and to clients. And using that as my foundation, uh, with a lot of help from uh, my mother, who was uh, the my initial partner in business, and then subsequently, Uh, Louise Evans, who became my partner in business uh, a number of years later, as well as a phenomenal management team. We evolved what started as a a basic boutique public relations firm into an integrated marketing communications firm, and our focus is we look at how do we transform business potential into business performance, because fundamentally, uh, both Louise and I are um, entrepreneurs first, and branding, marketing, and public relations practitioners second. So I think one of the fundamental differences is that we look at everything through the lens of business, um, first and foremost. Secondly, we really look at how we practice public relations as um pull, not push. How do we utilize um, integrated marketing and public relations to create emotional resonance with uh, our clients, customers, and clientele? Because we believe that emotional engagement endures, whereas intellectual engagement is ephemeral. Uh, So we're always looking to reach uh, those individuals, those constituents and gatekeepers on a much deeper level, first and foremost. Secondly, our goal is not to use public relations to teach, uh, but we look at public relations as one of the most powerful tools to elucidate, enlighten, and in so doing, to impassion and to engage. I think what we've learned, the other two things fundamentally that we've learned, is Public relations, when at its best, is almost subliminal. It's a little bit under the radar. It's never overt, and it's not obvious. And that is something we look to do, is not to utilize public relations in any way that fundamentally has, shall we say, fingerprints. We also don't believe in a phrase that I, that I particularly disdain called spin. We look at it as it's always got to be substance-driven and not necessarily, shall we say, subject to interpretation. Um, Ultimately, I think our goal is to establish long-term partnerships, if you will, with our clients. Um, We're very lucky from the standpoint of our average tenure with a client is eight years and we have a number of relationships in excess of two decades, some closer to three. And for us, that is the ultimate affirmation that we are making a contribution that's meaningful uh, and providing them with a, shall we say, a return on investment, which is something that is uh, critical in terms of our philosophy
0: well Matthew not only have you just described your agency but you've actually helped to further define the uh, definition of public relations and uh, how it's uh, under the radar and uh, and leaves no fingerprints uh, I like that I think our listeners will like that a lot um, you you just uh, indicated that you've had some clients for a very long time uh, uh, not every agency can make this statement so um why do you think you have been able to hold on to clients for a long time? What what what's the secret to your success?
1: Uh I, I would love to tell you that there is a there's a secret, but I think I'd be overstating the fact. I think it it's it's basic blocking and tackling on a on a level that is is, you know, very important to us. I think number one, it is our job to know the client's industry and where the future is is you know uh taking that industry velocity trajectory direction trend and so forth um it's also our job to know the client's competition and what they're doing as well as what they have done because that gives us a basis for differentiation we also need to have an intimate understanding of the client's business um where it has gone, where it is going, but also where we think in conjunction with the leadership of the client, where that business needs to go. And I think, you know, one of the reasons we've been able to achieve the longevity that we have is two goals. One, to continually make what we call a consequential contribution, a tangible contribution the business of that client uh, and deliver value each year. Uh, We raise the bar each year for success, but we don't seek to replicate success because that wouldn't accomplish much of anything. We keep pushing the envelope, we keep thinking out of the box, and I think it's holding ourselves to a higher level or higher standard of delivery for that client even though in some instance, instances the client isn't necessarily holding us to a higher deliverable. That's part of the ethos of, of Evans Communications. Well,
0: under your leadership and that of Louise Evans, uh, your agency has pioneered the combination of public relations with consulting and marketing. I mean, as you are indicating, you've taken it to a much higher level, <clears throat> the melding of uh of PR with truly consulting and being and playing an integral role in the success of the brand or company uh, who who is your client. How did this come about? Did, was this a deliberate decision on your part and that of uh, Louise or did it evolve uh, as time passed as as you practiced public relations and recognized that there was more to do?
1: That's a that's a very good question. I think the answer really lies in our business backgrounds before we became part of the agency business. So, we number one, both Louise and I uh, have done startup businesses prior to becoming Partners in Evans. The second consideration is when you start a startup business or you are involved in any other kind of business, the first thing you do is you reach out to other business leaders for counsel and guidance. because you don't know all the answers you don't necessarily uh have all the insights but the more you listen and the more you seek um, the intelligence of others who've done it before uh the and the other thing is that in the other businesses that Louise and I were involved with before Evans we both employed marketing and PR throughout our business careers i actually had the distinct privilege of hiring uh, Burson Marsteller and Harold Burson when I was CEO of a company called Pain Therapeutics. And what I got to learn through Harold Burson is, in many ways, part of what I practice today is that PR, for all intents and purposes, uh, does not have boundaries unless you put boundaries on it. And um, Harold Burson was a very entrepreneurial pro, and I think, if anything, I learned some of that from him. The other considerations, I think, so this was, you know, ultimately how we came to this particular approach, is that we see branding, marketing, and public relations as being interrelated, interdependent, and, and for all intents and purposes, inextricably linked. So for us, it's a natural progression to be able to combine all of these uh, practices and methodologies and approaches into an integrated whole. I think the other aspect of this is um, you know, PR is not a panacea, but it takes on far more consequence and relevance when conjoined with branding, marketing, and consulting. I think the last uh, point that I'd like to make is that we tell clients um, what they need to know, whether they ask us or not, because that's part of our approach. And we also tell clients what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. If we're gonna give clients good strategic counsel, we can't just give it within the framework of public relations we need to give it to them more holistically, and I think that's how we pioneered this combination of branding, marketing, PR, and consulting.
0: Interesting, Matthew. Matthew, uh, your uh, your better half, uh, Louise Evans, of course, uh, has a really an, an illustrious career even prior to Evans
1: Communications.
0: Would you mind telling our listeners uh, a little bit about Louise's background?
1: It would be my pleasure. Um and you and you rightly referred to her as my better half because she absolutely is. Um Louisa's background is uh in specialty retailing. Uh she worked her way through the ranks uh through a number of small retail establishments, then became part of the Lord and Taylor system, uh, then actually did a chain of startup, um, startup stores in a, in a category of women's apparel in uh, what was based on outlet stores. And outlet stores at the time that she did it was just in the beginning of, uh, of that particular uh, business cycle. And then she was tapped by uh, Mr. Wexner and the Limited Corporation uh, to join in, come in and run Henry Bendel. Uh, And she took one of the most um, iconic specialty retailers and not only moved it from 57th Street to 5th Avenue, but she reinvigorated, revitalized uh, Henry Bendel, made it relevant And in so doing, had a very entrepreneurial approach to work with key accounts. She would invest in brands uh, that didn't have the money to invest in themselves and make those brands an integral part of the business of Henry Bendel, whether it was Claude Montana, Trish McAvoy, MAC Cosmetics, Bobby Brown. uh, She looked at these as... Uh, entrepreneurial businesses that she could help with the resources of the limited and Les Wexner and did just that and made them, you know, extremely important parts of the Henry Bendel business. Uh, So her career has really been exemplary in terms of specialty retailing. And she is truly one of the most visionary creative merchants I have ever had the privilege of knowing.
0: Well, very impressive, both of you. Um, Matthew, tell, tell us uh, who some of your clients are. I neglected to mention them when I uh, introduced you a few moments ago. Who are some of your present and longtime clients?
1: Well, we've been we've been very, very, very lucky over the years. Um, we have had an opportunity, really, to contribute to building. Uh, some extraordinary brands uh, and contribute to establishing them in the marketplace. Uh, We were originally involved in the development of uh, American Express, Centurion, and Platinum. Uh, We actually brought over Departures Magazine from the UK and established it as part of American Express Publishing. Uh, We were involved early on with Baccarat, and uh, help to reposition Baccarat uh, for its next chapter and its evolution. We've done a lot in specialty retailing, such as working with Barneys and Bergdorf-Goodman, uh, and whether it's, it's fashion companies, Vera Wang, which we were originally involved with developing and working closely with Vera to Valentino. Uh, We have done a lot of work in the private aviation space, uh, starting with Marquee Jet, then NetJet, then working with Kenny Dichter again at Wheels Up, uh, and now working with uh, Jamie Walker at JetLinks Aviation, which I actually think is the finest example of private aviation in the world today. We've also, over the years, represented Really, some iconic brands in the in the hospitality arena. Uh, we've had the pleasure and the privilege of working with Maker's Mark Bourbon for almost 30 years. Uh, we worked with uh, Like a Camera for uh, oh, well over a decade. And you know, uh, when we look at 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 the pure tr- luxury travel space. Companies such as Rosewood Hotels, which we helped to build with Mrs. Hunt early on in the evolution of Rosewood uh, to preferred hotels and resorts to the Creole in Paris, the Lanesboro in London, uh, the Knickerbocker Hotel in New York, to a nearly three decade partnership with the hotels and resorts of Halakalani. We have truly had uh, the the what could best be described as the luck. A lot of it is luck, uh, and the the real the real privilege uh, working with brands that are passion brands that we have been able to contribute to evolving into icon and legacy brands, and that that should give you an idea of of the caliber of some of the uh, some of the clients we've uh, we've been lucky enough to work with.
0: Very very impressive indeed. Very impressive. Matthew, one of the things that I, I also did not uh, stress earlier when I introduced you is your considerable health care background. Um, very, uh, very interesting and uh, unusual background for somebody who is uh, the co-head of a uh, le- leading public relations agency. Could you tell us about your health care background? Uh, I think our listeners will be very interested in that and how you feel that that background has catapulted you into where you are right now
1: well as um it's it's a rather strange story but i'll I'll try to give you the short version of it, which fundamentally is that um I grew up with um chronic asthma, and I was constantly seeing doctors and I was in the hospital when I was very young, and when all my friends were going to camp i was um I was trying to you know just hold my own from a health standpoint, and what it did was it created a curiosity. I wanted to know what was being done to me, and I wanted to know what I could do uh, to mitigate the chronic asthma that I was suffering from, which I still have to this day. But as I got more and more interested in medicine and science, I was given the opportunity uh, to work at Cornell Medical Center in New York City at a very early age. I started as a volunteer at at the age of 12, I was put on staff at Cornell uh, in the cardiothoracic research laboratory at the age of 13, becoming the youngest person ever put on staff at a major medical center in the U.S., and really began to understand medicine from the most important roots, which is you know the development of new treatments, procedures, protocols, and diagnostics. Uh, to improve healthcare. And I did that for about five years and then became the Associate Director of the Kidney Transplant Program at Cornell. Uh, They really gave me such a tremendous education as well as uh, a lot of latitude uh, to learn and to grow and um and did that for a number of years while I was going uh to college at the University of Pennsylvania and I commuted back and forth to New York and that that treating chronic pain for medicine and science stayed with me uh many years later I was approached by two healthcare practitioners who had had a revolutionary approach to treating but didn't know how to evolve it into a business so I was able to take the business knowledge that I had, with the medical and science uh, experiences that I had, and ended up uh, helping them uh, establish a business to develop a whole approach to treating and mitigating chronic pain. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was given what could only be described as a life-defining uh privilege. I was introduced to a gentleman named Dr. Robert Gallo. And for those of for those of you who don't know uh Dr. Gallo, he is the gentleman who is considered the greatest living uh virologist in the world. He is the man that uh was primary in terms of the role of the discovery of HIV as the infectious agent responsible for AIDS and in the development of the HIV blood test. And 10 years ago, when I met Dr. Gallo, one of the questions that was debated was, in the event of a pandemic virus, what is the world going to do? Because there are limitations, World Health Organization, there are significant limitations to the CDC, as COVID-19 has clearly demonstrated. and At that time together, the idea of the Global Virus Network was born. Uh, I am a co-founding board member, secretary, and treasurer of this extraordinary organization which has been my passion for the last decade. So I think how all of this has influenced my perspective of public relations is fundamentally I look at everything that we have to do as a form of triage. Greatest need, uh, what is immediate, what needs to be sequential, and also there are many factors that must be evaluated when coming together to analyzing a problem just as it does in medicine and science. So my brain, for better or for worse, is wired a little bit differently and that's the wiring and the perspective that I bring to public relations.
0: That's quite a background. Not everybody who runs a public relations agency can boast of that kind of uh, multifaceted background. Good for you. Wow. But how did you actually get into public relations itself, given all you had done before? Was it accidental? Was it something that just naturally evolved? How did you actually get into public relations?
1: Uh, And totally... By accident. Um, my mother uh, had been involved in public relations for a number of years, uh, and she and her partner had what was established to be a very, very successful boutique public relations firm uh, in the luxury and ultra-luxury space. Uh, which was, and, and their clients were a who's who in, in that arena. And what I began to see more at a point at a distance, because I was not involved at that point, was I got to see them understanding a business and how to catapult that business by leveraging their relationships but also the, leveraging their knowledge. And uh, unfortunately, my mother and her partner – uh, had a uh, broke-up, uh, probably the best way to describe it. And at that point, my mother decided to form uh, her own agency. And uh, I really wasn't that focused on it at the time, but my asked me if I would help my mother and support her in starting her own agency. Uh, I was running, actually, pain therapeutics at the time. And I thought, okay, um, this is interesting because at that point under the auspices of pain therapeutics, i had had a chance to meet Harold Burson. I had begun to develop a very rudimentary understanding of, if you will, relations, both through Harold Burson as well as through my mother. And so I started to, uh, help her. And the more I helped her, the more, uh, engaged I became, the more um, fascinated I became in fundamentally the uh, public relations and what it could accomplish. And we put out our our private placement memorandum for pain therapeutics just before the market crashed. And around that time, uh, my mother uh, made me an offer refused to come in and run the agency and be a majority partner in the agency. And I thought, okay, maybe I can accomplish more by looking at that as a foundation and evolving it. And um, it was, that was 30, about 35 years ago. Hmm. And obviously uh, I got bitten by the bug uh, and realized uh, what public relations could be, what my vision of it was, how I could make it relevant to me, uh, because of its ability to catalyze and catapult businesses, elucidate and enlighten, engage, and ultimately be consequential and make a difference, and those were the the basic tenets that um, that became the operating tenants of what Evans Communications is today.
0: Well Matthew, that that that's a natural segue into my next question and that is how has public relations changed since you got into it and what do you envision to be its future?
1: That's a very good question. I think when I um when I first got involved in public relations uh, data and analytics were nascent. I mean, it just wasn't an area that public relations got involved in, let alone utilized uh, to for insights, for actionable insights. Digital and social media didn't exist then. Uh, I don't think the word influencers even existed then. Media was very different in those days. Media held tremendous sway and was defined by a very small but influential audience. Uh, The whole definition of media has changed. The Internet of Things really was in its nascency, didn't exist. And today we are all connected and interconnected. Uh, When I started... News traveled at the speed of newspaper, a print. (laughs) Today, news travels at the speed of the internet, and quite frankly, bad news travels even faster. Um, You know, I think the other things to consider is there are exponentially more sources of news and information, whether accurate or inaccurate, curated or not, and there's a lot more sources that one needs to be aware of as well as contend with. I think branding, marketing, and public relations were three separate tracks, were three separate practices. And I believe in many ways today they have coalesced. Also, to be very honest with you, diversity, equity, inclusion were not even a consideration back then. And today, if we're doing it right, diversity, equity, and inclusion are a fundamental part of everything we do and with whom we do it. So do I think the future of PR is bright? I actually think the future of PR is extremely important. Um, I think in the future, it will be powered by things such as artificial intelligence, Uh, Content will become an ever more increasing and important role that public relations uh, will drive, far greater than it's doing it today. Data analytics will become the backbone of public relations. Um, Psychographics, which we've all talked about, will become even more important when we do targeting, segmentation. We begin to understand that we need to know the mindset of the consumers that we are targeting today. I think one of the most important functions of public relations in the future is the management, mitigation, and if you will, rectification of disinformation and misinformation. There's a lot of inaccurate uh, information in this world. I truly believe that part of public relations responsibility and role is to begin to to address um, that disinformation and misinformation. In many ways, I believe that public relations in the future has both an obligation and a mandate. Make a difference for the human condition and create greater communication and unity for society as a whole because right now we're very polarized. And I truly do believe that public relations through Enlightenment, inspiration, and understanding can help bridge some of those divides
0: you know matthew you 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 bring a world of experience and other disciplines to p r uh do you combine them all in your work
1: have to have to because in a way you know to to not give you an existentialistic answer but it's the perfect answer to give you. <laughs> we are the sum of all of our experiences. And I think what makes us uniquely beneficial to our clients is that we have a wealth of experience that we bring to bear in a holistic and integrated way for the benefit of our clients. One of the most important things for us is to be able to, to inspire and teach our teams that public relations is not just one school of thought, but when it's at its best, it represents uh, multiple schools of thought coming together and that to really be a public relations practitioner uh, that is relevant today and even more relevant in the future, you have to be able to look at not just what your client needs and how media can address that, but more importantly, uh, what it is that represents a wealth of experience, whether it's business experience, whether it's data analytics, whether it's um, uh, understanding that you have to be able to dissect the problem to understand it, and put all the pieces back together to be able to come up with an effective strategy to deal with it. So I, I am very blessed to be able to, and as is Louise, to be able to bring together what is fundamentally a, a lot of experiences for the benefit of our clients and for the benefit of our management teams, our leadership, and our amazing staff.
0: Matthew, I have a few questions that I'd like to ask you about about yourself. Um, Not that I haven't been asking you questions about yourself, but uh, you'll know what I mean when you hear the questions. First of all, what what do you consider your style of management to be? Um,
1: That's a good question. I think I would answer it by saying it's what I think it may be as well as what I hope it Will be because to me, a style of management is something that isn't static, it evolves. We have to learn to be better managers, we also have to learn to be better leaders. And being a man, being a great manager, and being a great leader are two different things, and it's something that I learn, and Louise learns, and our teams learn every day. But to be more specific, I would like to think that my approach is collaborative, number one. I'm not and never hope to be autocratic. I am a team player, and I want to bring everybody into the decision-making process and the problem-solving process. So collaboration is very important to me. The other consideration is everybody in the organization, no matter what level, to understand that they can make a difference and that... um, They should want to make a difference. Now, there are a lot of principles of agencies that feel that it begins and ends with them. For me, it begins and ends with our teams, our leadership. So empowering them is very important. I think the other aspect of what I try to do is instill an entrepreneurial spirit in them. And the fundamental question that I ask all of them is, if you were sitting in my chair, what would you do differently and tell me why? If you were the CEO of one of our clients, what would you differently and tell them why? So that whole concept of being entrepreneurial and understanding that they can make a difference. So don't worry about making a mistake because if you don't try, you won't learn. So go forward. If you make a mistake, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, move on, <laughs> right? And is, I tell the them, song, there's, right? <laughs> exactly. And the other thing, quite frankly, is there's no such thing as a stupid idea, because if there was, chances are I will have come up with most of them, if not all of them. And <laughs> The problem is everybody's a little bit concerned about saying, well, you know, that idea may not be so great. Well, you know what? You don't know that. I don't know that. So, therefore, put it out there and have – so so I think that's the kind of uh, leader that I hope I am and I hope I will be.
0: Matthew, who are your heroes, (laughs) past or present?
1: Um, the answers may surprise you. Um, my – probably first and foremost, my um, my father uh, came through Ellis Island when he was 13 years old with his family with nothing and grew to become uh, America's first couture women's shoe designer. So he was the Manolo Blahnik or Jimmy Choo or Christian Lambertin of his time. But he was driven by art. He was driven by um, basically, as he put it, a woman's shoe needs to make a woman feel as good as she looks. So he approached it in a very different way. He was also an extremely humble man uh despite his success uh he was he was very down to earth and i loved that about my father that fame uh never corrupted him and that he talked to everybody uh even if he didn't know them because he felt they had something to say and he should listen so i think hopefully uh i can be uh, one small element of the man that my father was, because he was a um, he was a wonderful human being uh, who carried no airs and found almost everything in life a form of fascination and interest. My next hero is Doctor Robert Gallo. Uh, I never thought in my life that I would be able to call uh bob gallo uh, a friend, and I learn something from this man every day, whether it's about European history, whether it's about medicine, science, virology, philosophy, and he is truly a scientific Renaissance man who has one of the most extraordinary hearts. And his goal is to further um, the knowledge, the career, the scientific accomplishments of others, not his own, which is very unique. And for someone who is as extraordinarily brilliant as Bob Gallo, uh, he is all about collaboration, empowerment, and inspiration. And um, he has done all of that for me and more. Uh, My third hero, and you referred to her earlier in our conversation, is my better half, my wife and partner, Louise Evans, who literally walks into a room and lights it up with her personality, looks at everything with a sense of joy and wonder, is one of the most astute business people I have ever had the privilege of knowing. And she's a teacher. She inspires, but she is also steadfastly committed to building an infrastructure and a foundation on which a business can grow. Usually, when you think of an entrepreneur, it's all about taking a business and growing it. She looks at it and says, you can't grow a business unless you have the right foundation, and the right infrastructure. So she is both left-brained and right-brained and does it with a degree of humor, graciousness and sensitivity, the likes of which I have rarely had the privilege to see. So she, she is not only my better half, she is one of my heroes.
0: Well, all I can say, Matthew, is Louise had better listen to this podcast when it's on when it's public. <laughs> <laughs> she, she will then buy you a drink for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: I should hope so. so, and I hope it's a maker's mark. <laughs> it better
0: be right. <laughs> yeah, I have two exactly. more questions, Matthew. Got two more questions for you, Matthew. The first one is, uh, you know, you are you are so busy, of course, uh, in your business life. Um, that I'm sure you have to find time to do other things so my question is what are your hobbies what do you like to do when you're not working
1: I would love to tell you that I have a plethora of hobbies and uh, that I you know that I indulge in them uh, frequently the truth is I don't um, I my hobbies are, are, are very simple Um I have recently gotten back into tennis, something I uh, played and studied and was committed to very actively many many years ago, and I've recently gotten back into it during COVID, and I find it extremely fulfilling. It um, means a lot to me, and and you know to, to disagree with uh, Hemingway, who basically said, I believe it was, you can never go back. Indeed, you can. It just takes a little bit more work. Um, you know travel is something that uh Louise and I love to do we love to experience other cultures we love to um taste the food see what what uh, other countries uh are like and the challenges they face and the many incredible things that they offer so travel is something that's that's extremely fulfilling for both of us um and something that when you consider how much traveling I did pre-COVID, uh, mo- the vast majority of which was for business, um, now it's something that I want to focus on to do more for uh, my own personal growth uh, and enlightenment. Medicine and science uh, is both a part of who I am, but it's really one of my hobbies. It's something that I truly love. It is a uh, and so it's it's something that will will always I will always read medical journal medical journals medical articles I will always try and be as possibly um, and but it you know while other people are reading uh, all sorts of things I love reading uh, medical and science literature and the last is music um, I find music extremely emotional for me I can't explain why but I I find it one of the most well, genres, for lack of a better way of putting it, um, in my life. So whenever we get a chance to go to concerts, whenever I can listen to music, whenever I can um, experience music firsthand, uh, that's important to me.
0: So are are you saying that when you hear me sing, you automatically cry?
1: I'm just not sure it's for the reasons we would both like, but yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, Matthew, I have one final question one final question. Please. Where do you see Matthew Evans in the years ahead?
1: Um, well, you know it's funny i um I don't think that you know I'm not a person who is looking to reach a point uh, in my life where the word retirement ever comes into play because I'm just not sure that that's something I aspire to or necessarily am capable of. Um, one of the things that I do now that I will love to continue to do in the years to come is I do a lot of CEO counsel and consulting to CEOs. It's something I find very rewarding, something I find um, uh, keeps my brain uh you know, at 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 its peak. Because when you're sitting talking to a CEO, you better damn well know what you're talking about. And so for me, I take that role extremely seriously. Uh, I will continue to work with the Global Virus Network uh, for as long as they will have me, uh, because it is near and dear to my heart. And uh, again, as we talked about, Dr. Gallo, um, as long as I can help further his vision, uh, and in so doing, uh, to make a contribution to the world, because quite frankly, how often does one have the privilege or the opportunity to contribute to the betterment of the world? Uh, that is something that, that I take very seriously. I think the other consideration is I love startups. I love advising principals about how to uh, establish a business, catapult a business, and move it forward. So that entrepreneurial side of me uh, in terms of working with startups is something that will always be in place. But I think, Art, uh, the one thing, and you know this about me, the one thing that sort of sort of sums all of this up is somebody asked me once, uh, what would I like on my tombstone? And it was nothing that I ever really thought about, and then it came to me, and it is my guiding principle in life, it is my guiding principle with the agency, and it is my guiding principle in everything that I do, and it's very simple. He made a difference. That's my goal.
0: Uh, What a way to wind up our conversation. Matthew, I really appreciate this very much. You know you truly have inspired us today all all the things that you do and the uh uh the spirit in which you do those things in and all I can tell you is that it's been really my privilege and pleasure to have you as our guest today on p r masters podcast series so Matthew Evans, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: All right, thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, for ComproBiz, for inspiring me and enlightening me day in and day out. Uh, I don't do these kinds of things very often. This was a privilege, and having a conversation with you, Art, is always a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Matthew. Thank you so much. And on behalf of our listeners, I thank you all for joining us today and sharing your views with us. And thank you all for tuning in to another one of the Stevens Group PR Masters podcast series. Until next time, I'm Art Stevens, wishing you all the very
1: best.